0: You're listening to The Picard. That's right. It's a podcast all about Star Trek Picard, where we talk about the show and our theories and uh, our impressions of it. And we even have a little bit of... uh, what would you call it, Hattie Cook? Uh, some some playbacks and walkthrough of the yes, show? Yes, yes,
1: some recaps. Yeah, that's some, Hattie some Cook, theories. the voice
0: of Hattie Cook there. Hi, oh, hello. And uh, usually sitting across from us here in the, in the studio based in Austin headquarters is Keith Ruckus, but he couldn't join us physically in the studio because he had to go to Disney World. So he's <laughs> phoning it in today. Hi, Keith.
2: Hi. He was ready to record yesterday. When you can't we record it we on the
0: same day it comes out. We were watching it at night. I watch it with my son at we, uh, 8 p.m. We had a
2: plan in place, Well, and we did not follow the plan. So I don't like this blame being thrown There's no me. blame. I'm just saying blame you had game. to go to
0: Orlando. I'm sorry if here. I'm
2: testy. <laughs> I'm tired. I was up so early for my flight. What what, what
0: time was your flight again?
2: At 7. I, did, I left for the airport at 5.30 in the morning Ugh. after Ugh. going to bed at 2. Oh, Oh, I know. You're going to sleep great
0: tonight, though, aren't you? Yeah, that's
2: true. (laughs) I'm going to sleep so well after I go to Medieval Times.
0: Now, there is a Star Trek reference to do with Medieval Times by way of Jim Carrey and the cable guy.
2: Oh, yeah, totally.
0: And, uh, and and so for me, when I think of medieval times, I no longer think just of of knights in shining armor doing battle right. on their horses. I think of the amazing scene in the Cable Guy where uh, when
2: he's singing the Gorn music, when yes. he, the Kirk's fighting, they go da 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 Yes,
0: yeah, it's great. And that's of course a reenactment of uh, one of the best episodes of Star Trek: The Original Series. I, I don't want to say the name of it, but I will say the first person to tweet me the name the correct the name of that episode I know the name of it and and Keith don't you dare say it but this is the deal <laughs> I'm at Dan Benjamin on Twitter you must tweet me the name of the show the name of the episode without looking it up and I'll know
2: he will know the trouble with tribbles
0: it was not that one
2: <laughs> <laughs> false
1: <laughs>
0: and what did what do they win they win mention on the show and yes. they'll win our applause and uh, don't we have a bell that we can ring now how did, did I bring the bell from did my you bring house think I brought the bell well, as Keith begins his uh initial comments, I will sneak out of the room. No one will know.
1: Did you
2: bring it?
0: And I'm gonna go see if I brought it. I think it's okay. on my desk. Okay.
2: What am I supposed to be doing? I wasn't paying attention. Well, there's
0: uh your impressions before we start the recap. I we want to hear what you what you thought of it and then we'll
1: We'll join in we'll with join our 'cause, in, cause but, remember I texted you, I said we have very strong and he opinions. He replied in all caps. He said he has some opinions. Very so. strong opinions.
0: Mm-hmm. All right.
2: So my number one opinion is that this is The best show on TV right now because every time I come up with a theory, I am so wrong.
1: That's the best.
2: And I love it. And I know, Hattie, you kind of pride yourself on being able to Yes. pick apart and like know what's going to happen next. I've, so I, I've I don't ruined, know if you're able to do that.
1: I've ruined many TV shows for myself by guessing what's going
0: to be coming. You're, very, you're this, uncannily good at that, but I can't saying. do
1: it with this one. And, and I, I agree with you, Keith. That I think is the mark of a very good television show, especially nowadays, because people consume so much television, and I think people are learning the uh, all the tricks people use. you
0: got so, to keep people on their toes. Yeah. you got to surprise them. Yeah. So like, whoever I mean?
2: is writing this is has crafted a storyline that has so many surprises, but not for the sake of surprises, but because they have whittled down to a concise storyline that keeps you guessing.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Totally agree.
1: Twists and turns. Well, yeah, we
0: did. We did have some feedback about our show. Ah. uh, so, um, let's, uh, let's jump right in. This first one is, uh, is from Peter. He says, friends, During last week's podcast, Mr. Ruckus mentioned a book that discussed betazoids and their abilities. My immediate thought was, oh, I should read that book. Luckily, I came to my senses moments later and dropped the idea. In middle school, I spent a lot of time combing through the Star Trek mythos. Those hours would probably have been better spent on developing social skills. Now that I am an adult with my own children, I have even less time to indulge my curiosity about fictional universes. As functioning adults, have any of you, I like that he gives us the benefit of the doubt that we're, that functioning, we're functioning adults. As right, that's as function, so kind. As functioning adults, have any of you felt the pull to go too deep into a fictional world? Have you ever had to put the brakes? On your own fandom. Keep up the good work, Peter. Hmm. how do you go first? Have you ever gotten sucked into something Harry Potter?
1: No. (laughs) It's either if it was anything, it was it would either be Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, I was I was very into the Lord of the Rings. But you were Um,
0: you were younger when you were into those. You were That
1: was like seventh, eighth grade. Seventh, eighth grade, probably
0: for Lord of the Rings. And that's you know, and that my I I was reading them to my kids when they were Younger than that, even, right. you know.
1: But no, I don't think I ever went into or, or got too into a fandom. I was always, you know, aware of reality in that regard. What about you, Dan?
0: No, I mean, I was I was overly into Dungeons and Dragons when I was in my early pre, preteen and then early teenage years. Uh, and loved it. And there were not, this is back in the days where, like, if you were into D&D, like, you were considered kind of weird and out- outcasted, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to now where it's, like, cool to like D&D. Back right. Then, and like, it it's not. in Urban
1: Outfitters now. Yeah. And, stuff.
0: <laughs> uh, and I definitely got into that, but, but and definitely lost a tremendous amount of time to, to that, for yeah. sure. But I imagine Keith, Keith is still living his best life he's exactly he's uh <laughs> he's got plenty of yeah, time what about to you, do Kiv? that uh
2: so my sister told me recently because she said she's been listening to the show but doesn't watch the picard she just likes the recaps right um she reminded me that all through middle school and high school my bedroom had star trek posters on the wall yeah had all the blueprints to the enterprise up on different That's surfaces awesome. had action figures on every surface an action figure would stand that i ate breathed slept star trek for years and i actually put that part of my my past experience kind of compartmentalized in a brain and when she said it i'm like i did have a lot of stuff so they used to put out star trek the magazine and it would have center folds and the center fold <laughs> would just be a high res Screenshot of a lady from Star Trek. So it would like it would fold out like a Playboy, but it would just be like, oh, there's Jed zia Dax in her uniform.
0: So funny. <laughs> That's so I had amazing. all those on my wall,
2: and then I had a cardboard cutout like one of those standees. Yeah, of seven of, seven of nine. Nice. Yes. Yeah. My I thought you might say crush.
1: Picard. And you, you know, no, you like dad,
2: uh, you know, later in life, I might experiment with that. But at the time, it was as, <laughs> in my, as I was budding, we'll say. Uh, right. All about the
0: ladies.
2: Yeah. It was all about seven to nine. That was my first girl crush.
0: Nice. Nice. Choice, to be honest. I mean, she still looks amazing and a great actress. Oh, my God. Before we get to that, I got another couple pieces of mail. This one is from a listener, Dave, who is actually, how do you recognize uh, who Dave is? Oh, yes, Friend friend of the show. Uh, Hey, guys. First off, I'd like to officially proclaim myself as the biggest and oldest fan of this podcast. (laughs) I liked it before it was cool. I just wanted to write in to say that I'm really loving the episodes and that listening has also enhanced my enjoyment of the show. Last episode, someone wrote in complaining that you guys summarize too much. I'm just one voice, but my voice wants to say this. And in all caps, I love the summaries. Hell, I came to listen to Hattie and Dan, but I stay because of Keith's summaries. Thing is, sometimes I get distracted while watching or flat out miss a detail, even when I wasn't distracted, and I usually only get a chance to watch once. So Keith's summaries are invaluable to this Star Trek nerd. Anyways, keep up the good work. I even gave you guys five stars on iTunes or whatever the F it's called nowadays so that the mystery <laughs> algorithm works hard and keeps you at the top. Truly a dedicated fan, Dave. And I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, out Dave's true identity, but I will say he is a, a very highly educated, yes, quite intelligent person who I know in real life.
1: Mm-hmm. We've had uh, a meal with Dave.
0: Yes. And it was an excellent meal. And he drove quite a distance to get to he us. Did.
1: Was there a deer that got hit? He
0: hit a deer. Yes, but it wasn't on the way.
1: That was previous. It was the day before, trip, so you yes. had to
0: get a rental car, an Uber, or something so, like an, that. Yeah.
1: Oh my God, an Uber
0: because he hit a deer. Have,
1: I know, but that far, I don't. That must have been really I expensive. <laughs> I don't know, but that's so anyway. Oh, Dave, thanks, Dave.
0: Okay, man, another that, another that one. Right
2: in the cockles, man. I know. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, the subject line of this next email is "What about the Remans? Remens. Remans. Remans. I was right. The first time for a change, yep. they talked about Romulus being destroyed, but what happened to the population of Remus? Did I miss yep. something? Long-term yep. listener, first time emailer, love the show. Andy. Uh,
2: you know, I like to think that because it's not been brought up and because the Remans were a lower cast, uh, they just said, screw it and let that planet blow up.
1: I think you're right. I mean, that's going to be my guess too.
0: Uh, Where, the the Remans were the guys, Keith, where have we seen them? We saw them in Star Trek Nemesis, correct?
2: Yeah, they're they're the Nosferatu looking race. Right, the the creepy looking vampire dudes. Romulus has a sister planet. They are very, very close together. And they're they're an offshoot race of Romulans. They just kind of have evolved a different way because they live underground or in the dark side of that planet. And, you know, they were used very much during the Dominion War as kind of like very hardcore warriors because they had such a harsh existence because they were kind of like a slave race to the Romulans, which is another reason the Federation wasn't a huge uh, fan of them. And we know that a lot of the reason why Picard was so trusted by the Romulans is because they saved them from Shinzon. Mm -hmm. So we know that that movie is absolutely canon. They have never brought up the Remans. And I think it just wasn't a priority for them.
0: Yeah, I think they kind of want to sweep them under the
2: um, proverbial carpet in a way. And I'm, like in this Star Trek universe where we know everyone's kind of dark and the evil in a kind of way. I could see the Federation doing that. Like, yeah, we're focused on the Romulans because they don't look as weird.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, it, the Romulans and the Vulcans both spawned from a common ancestor. Isn't that isn't that true? Yeah. Or do the Romulans come from Vulcan? Are they Vulcans who left Vulcan to to explore emotions and became Romulan?
2: You're a nail on the head. The Romulans okay. are, basically they're they're all, when they were like in the proto-Vulcan phase, like right. right as Vulcans were getting rid of logic, when they were still like real fiery, like how we are, Yeah, uh, that's when that group split off and left and became the Romulan empire.
0: Right. And then so at some time after that, the remans,
2: yeah, spawned Split from of them in
0: another planet,
2: and then in the shows, there's been other like Vulcan spin off species too. Like, there's a lot in the same way that there's humans like everywhere. It seems like every planet's got some form of human on it,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, here is one. I think we've, yeah, we've got time for this one. I think, okay. Um, Hey, guys, longtime listener, first time caller, loving the podcast and just wanted to follow up with some of my theories about what I think we're going to see before the season ends. My big bet is that we're going to find out that a lot of the hatred the Romulans have towards synths goes back to the split between the Romulans and the Vulcans. How apropos of this Ah. uh, little topic here. It Bye. seems to make sense to me that the Vulcan's embrace of logic seems like something that would have been prompted by another type of being that was driven solely by logic. Mm. Dot, dot, oh. dot. I can see this as being the impetus for the Romulans to develop a deep-seated hatred of any, anything synthetic, driving them off their home planet and all. Finally, the recapture verification at the bottom of this email form makes me check a box that says, I am not a robot. Would I even know? Oh.
1: Ooh, I like that. <laughs> and this is from
0: listener Joe. Joe, thanks for the uh, comments. What do you think of that one?
2: Uh, I don't hate that at all. Uh, I, I would throw that up with my favorite running fan theory, which has to do with time travel—that the Romulans actually created the Borg.
1: <gasps> Ooh. Yeah,
2: but I like this listener's a little bit better. I think that makes a lot of sense.
1: Might be more simple simple to tell that story R- than the other R- one. R- 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 mm-hmm.
0: Listener Sandra writes in, I've not even finished listening to the podcast yet for Picard's List (laughs) season 01 episode 04 and thought I'd sneak in a quick note to you on the down low while at work today. Tuesday, February 18th due to the mental anguish I experienced all weekend whilst waiting in vain for you. Oh. This is so sad. I and mean, It is my fault. This is my fault. My son and I took a six plus hour one way road trip this weekend to visit my mother in my hometown of Rochester, New York. One of the highlights I was looking forward to no. was I know and it's my fault, Hattie Dan. was listening to your the fault? podcast on the drive, but alas, it never came. Oh, Dan, Dan, Dan. <laughs> All weekend, I had been thinking: Is it me? Is my phone on the fritz? Maybe my iTunes account got hacked. My cell service is sketchy on this trip. The Wi-Fi sucks at the B and B. Maybe that's it. There was so much self-doubt and so much longing for the dulcet tones of you, Hattie, and Keith. I valiantly fought back the urge to subscribe and download any other Picard-based podcast, and and instead bravely listened to my 16-year-old son's playlist of quote alternative pop rock on both legs of the trip. Then last night, after we got back home, Norwalk Connecticut and once on my own Wi-Fi I discovered a new podcast had finally appeared on my phone I started listening to it this morning on my way to work and thankfully right at the beginning of the podcast you de-escalated my spiral into madness (laughs) by stating that you had scheduling issues and this is the reason the new podcast didn't come out until Monday February 17th thank you crisis averted in other news please tell Keith don't listen to all the poopy heads who don't (laughs) want him to do a recap I love it at first I had been listening to your podcast before I watched the first few episodes of the show and I was even considering not paying for CBS All Access once I heard how detailed his recaps were
1: (laughs) Keith you're saving people money
0: (laughs) now that I'm also watching his recaps just add a layer of depth to each episode for me and my and I'm very eager to hear his thoughts okay I better get back to work looking forward to my commute home tonight to listen to the remaining 44 minutes of the recent podcast keep up the great work I know this podcast podcast isn't the only one y'all are involved in but just know it's very appreciated. Thank you Sandra for wow. saying so.
2: Wow, Sandra. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry for Dan almost ruining your I life. I know, I know.
0: <laughs> but wow. uh so there we you feel go. feel so loved. <laughs> yes. Uh so now with with uh with no Without further f- ado? further ado, uh, no, Keith. No, I
2: read the reviews. Oh, the reviews of course. I'm only going to read one quick one. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. You can veto if you want. No, Go I want to hear it. it. Let's hear it. All right. <clears throat> Titled The Sprinkles on an Ice Cream Sunday," <laughs> by Nickname <laughs> is Already Taken. <laughs> five stars. If the podcast HBO produced to accompany Chernobyl or McMillions enhanced your experience of those shows, then this podcast from 5 by 5 is for you. Keith offers summaries and backstories without the Um, So actually, Sass, you might dread from a well-informed Star Trek fan. Hattie asks all my questions, and Dan brings the humor and professionalism that you may know from his other online offerings. Loving it from this Sean who gives it all the stars.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Oh, right. There was another Sean.
0: (laughs) We need more Seans.
1: Everyone needs more Seans in their life. Some S-E-A-Ns, some S-H-A-W-Ns, you know, what's everybody. Your, what's your
0: preferred spelling of Sean?
1: I think I've known more S-E-A-Ns. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What about yeah. you? I
2: think all of mine are S-E-A-Ns.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I prefer uh, I prefer S-H-A-W-N, but it, I've known so many S-E-A-Ns that it now looks wrong to me. I know. And anyone who spells it that way, it seems like it's too phonetic. Like Sean.
1: Schwa- now, now I'm
0: upset at them for yeah. spelling it that way
1: with the w Mm -hmm. i know
2: hattie that was a good boston accent oh thank you you're welcome
0: (laughs) she does good accents
2: i
1: like accents
2: (laughs) all right (laughs) so i I wrote down my notes in this little red notebook that hattie bought me
1: yes that has star trek
2: goes on it uh but i also wrote (laughs) down my notes during my second watching while on a flight ah i'm gonna try they're very shaky and everyone just you know like said oh your recaps are great so i hope i don't (laughs)
1: right we've uh, they built it up now
2: (laughs) i know all right this is episode five uh what is the episode title starlight city rag
0: i think that's i think that that sounds right look it up now
2: um we start off on the planet vergesin at a little colony called the seven domes 13 years ago again starting off in the past which i adore where we see a young man being tortured hostile style on a bed (laughs) Uh, where other people are obviously being tortured. There is no anesthetic. They are just ripping body parts out. We see an eyeball being ripped from his head while he is screaming, and we see that it has some sort of uh, computer or electronic component. It's being sliced off, uh, and he is, as they pull back, wearing one of those new but older Star Trek uniform or uh, Starfleet uniforms that Admiral Picard and Rafi were wearing in their flashback. Yes. yes. So as the, she, he is being absolutely tortured, th- he is being scanned. And then the person who is operating on him says, where's your cortical node buddy? At which point I screamed so loud. My <laughs> roommate came running out of his room to see if I had hurt myself. Wow. <laughs> at that point, I realized the person laying on this bed is none other than Voyager character Icheb. Now you guys didn't react at all to that. No,
0: but he, I knew I knew who I knew who it was. But having not seen all of Voyager toward the end, I only know of the character. It is not a character that has a deep association for right.
2: me. Right. So, uh, spoiler alert for Voyager. Uh, you know it's it's been out enough years that I feel comfortable saying plot points from it. There is an episode where Ichab sacrifices his own cortical node, which runs Borg functions in his body, so that Seven could live.
1: Oh, I see.
2: And so when she says, "Where's your cortical node, buddy?" It has to be in there somewhere. And you're like, uh huh. Such a subtle callback, and just it makes you know that the people writing this show love all Star Trek.
1: Yes, very much. And have, yeah. And like to incorporate all of it into that. I love that.
2: Yep. We hear a transporter being come down. The person who is operating on each of who appears to be human.
1: Yeah. Uh, It looks like a lady.
2: Yeah. Well, it's definitely a lady, but we don't know if they're, but they look like they're human. Right. Uh, She says the word (laughs) bejazel.
1: Which (laughs) you. when I first heard that, I was like, there's so many things that word makes me think of. (laughs)
2: <laughs> uh, agreed. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely some sort of weird act that you'd perform on someone. A bajazle. Yes. <laughs> uh, so turns and this lady is shot immediately. And it is Fenris Ranger. Seven of nine. Woo! No, the Fenris Rangers are not necessarily Romulans. I was completely wrong with that. And I'm, I like when I'm wrong with this show. So she comes <laughs> over, she, Says, she's like, Oh my God, I'm gonna get you out here. She says, Echeb, at which point I'm like, It is Echeb. I'm so excited. Even the, and this is not played by the actor who played Echeb. He actually had some um problems with his social media and saying things that were kind of questionable. So I don't ah. think he was ever in mind to replay this, to play this role again. But uh, she says "Ichab, uh the, the piece where his ocular implant would be like the thing that seven has around her eye. Mm-hmm. It's like, you can see it's just scabs now where it's been ripped from his face. Yeah. A Ugh. chunk of his chest that's been ripped open. And she says, I'm going to get you out of here. And he says, I, you know, no, I'm not getting out of here. And she's like, I'll stay with you till the end. And he like is shaking his head. He's like, go get out of here. And, there's a lot of reasons why. I My theory is that at this point, so many of his Borg implants have been removed that he knows that he's already done for. Like, they might have right. removed his Borg heart, his Borg spleen, his Borg lungs, some, something where the fact that he knows it's over and there's nothing that medical science, even at that time, will do for him. So Seven of Nine, with tears in her eyes, brings her phaser to his chest and says, I'm so sorry, my child, and shoots him to death. Hmm. And that was Very sad. my favorite opening so far in this series. And I was like, you know, like when you, people are watching a football game and they're way too into it and they're on their feet with their hands on their heads screaming.
1: Yes. That was me.
2: <laughs> that was <you. laughs> this me, was
1: your sporting event.
2: Oh yeah. At the TV could not believe what was going on. <clears throat> then that was our cold open. Now we're over at free cloud, which is a colony uh, on a planet uh, that. Has a casino, but is more than just a giant casino. It has a bunch of other shops that we'll get into. And this is only two weeks ago from our current storyline where Bajazel comes in and her associate who we find out whose name is Mr. Vup tells her that Maddox is there to talk to her. And then we see Bruce Maddox, which is something last week we thought would never happen.
1: Right. We all said we're not we're never going to see him.
2: Well, and I, I, I said that we will never see him again.
0: And I stand by my statement because technically we did not see him again. Um, we saw a we saw a different actor. We did not see we did not see the original actor uh, who I think is um, looking this up. I'm cheating. Um, Brian Brophy. Mm-hmm. We saw a new actor, John Alice or Alice. I'm not sure how you say his name. So t- I'm standing by my comment. Uh, we never saw Maddox the actor again. that Plays right. We have seen a new actor. So I'm standing by. <laughs> Semantic. Good
2: old Dan loophole Benjamin. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, uh, but yes, yeah, so there he was, and he was alive at least for a little while.
2: <laughs> yeah uh, so Maddox is he's disheveled he's upset he's talking to bejazel he's like my lab has been destroyed it's been disintegrated which makes me think of the um, the 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 Vash's um, oh my god the, not the Tal Shiar the other ones I lost it I'm so tired what's what's the evil Romulan group
0: oh not the Tal Shiar but Hattie the, your Vash. favorite
2: the Jat Vash. Vash oh there. Uh, they, we've seen them disintegrating with that acid from their mouth. So this is the technology they have. It makes me think they disintegrated his entire lab. He with, says, by, to, by spitting, by spitting on went, it. Yeah, everyone, I mean, I think they might have like a grenade with that acid inside of it. I'm not sure if they just went around spitting on everything.
0: You know, I mean, it seems like a side effect of the acid is that they they also die so it doesn't yeah, seem right. like it, it doesn't seem like a typical offensive attack In that you can just go and spray acid at someone but they it's, are
2: fanatics so maybe
0: right but i mean they're they know when they're spraying the acid that that's, that's it like a last them. resort yeah actually. they're dead
2: so and then he says to bajazel that he's not going to be able to pay her back the money that she let him to continue his research because we know that there was a ban in the federation so when he left uh, after the synth attack, he left to continue his work, and he used money from this person named Bajazel. Right. Uh, she, uh, Mr. Vup, earlier says, should I kill him? And she says, no, I have a better plan. And then he, she drugs him by adding something to a drink called Tranya, which has been in other Star Trek series before. Tranya was introduced in the original series. It was uh, referenced in Deep Space Nine, and now it's in this show. And then she... She uh, she finds out that the person that gave him all the trouble and destroyed his lab, he says, is the Tau Shiar. We know it's probably not the Tau Shiar, but she says right. she hates dealing with the Tau Shiar. But she's obviously going to sell – because they have an interest in him, she's going to sell him back and try to make some of her money back. Back on the ship, which I keep just referring to as Rio's ship, but it is the La Serena. But Rios' ship, uh, we see Seven of Nine is talking to Jean-Luc Picard in his holographic office. He offers her a drink, and she says, I'll take a bourbon straight up, which is also kind of a fun reference to Voyager because we learn in Voyager that she cannot handle alcohol in any form. (laughs) She can't take synthahol. She can't take out like a, gla- a single glass of champagne. Impairs her to the point where she can barely stand, and she loses kind of her emotional faculties. And now she's just downing straight bourbon, which means she's obviously grown some resistance, if you will, to alcohol.
1: Haha. Okay.
2: Um, we find out uh, in this moment that she is a Fenris Ranger, that Fenris is a planet in the neutral zone, and that when the neutral zone collapsed because of the supernova and Romulus not being really thing anymore, that this is a group of marauders that kind of got together to keep the peace. And Picard is not the biggest fan of this because it's like you can't be judge, jury, and executioner, but he does kind of understand that there is no law there and someone needs to be doing something good. Right, right and he kind of points out that what she's doing is not great and she looks him right in the face and says the only thing worse would be giving up at which he is taken aback by this statement and he's he recognizes the truth in that mm-hmm.
1: right he's right. like oh you're right yep.
2: you're right yep he kind of explains what they're doing and because she is kind of helping the helpless and has been for the last 13 14 years uh she's she's down she's like okay i'm going to i'm like tell me more pour me another glass of that bourbon Outside in the ship, Rios and Rafa are talking about uh, Seven of Nine. And he's like, I've heard of her. What's her name? 99, 11. It's all coming. <laughs> yeah. uh, we find out she does have a reputation for being a badass in this area. She's the ex-Borg drone who's a Fenris Ranger. Rios points out that he forgets that Picard was a Borg a lot of the time.
1: I noticed that too. I was like, oh, that's you know, going to come back. Uh, one of the things <laughs> that
0: I thought about when he made that comment was most of the uh, Ex Borgs that we see have visual remnants mm-hmm. left on sure. their bodies. Artifacts seven seven on of them, Nine. Yeah. Uh, Hugh is another good example right. of that. Plus the guys that we we've just seen in in all through st- all through Star Trek is that even once they're de assimilated, they have something. Uh, you know, Seven's got the uh, the thing over her eye. She's got on ocular one of point. her one, yeah the ocular. She's got one she's of her
1: kind of like by her temple on the right? other side. And she's got yeah.
0: her hands. I think have a a thing. Her on, left hand. Yeah. Her left left hand. Hand. Oh right.
1: I saw her little tips of her fingers had.
0: Stuff whereas on. Um, whereas uh, Picard seems to have come out of it visually pretty unscathed. Un- unscathed. And yeah. I you know at first I thought oh well maybe it's because. Um, Dr. Crusher maybe she
1: had superior superior skills right. and
0: was able to remove it from him more effectively
1: or quick more quickly or Like, more quick, you know, sooner no time had passed so that was something. another
0: thing that I was thinking about is that he was only a Borg for a very short period of time
2: it was a couple days, days. Right. yeah and, yeah, and so say.
0: maybe because of that it was easier for them to remove the implants and right. and, and restore. heal whatever exactly whereas um, like Seven for example she was assimilated when she was a little girl right so by the time she She was freed from the Borg Collective. I mean, she'd already been in there for 20 years, you know, so maybe maybe that's why.
2: That's a big plot point in this episode is the longer you're a Borg, the more stuff in your body is replaced.
0: Right. Right. Now, is that a byproduct of being a Borg? Like you have organ failure that needs to then be replaced because of the other Borg parts Right of the Borg parts are
2: spot on. I think the more your biological systems break down the more you're going to be replaced until they just discard you entirely.
0: Right, Mm -hmm. right. And what happens to a discarded Borg?
2: Uh, We've seen that. uh, When they're first uh, introduced to us in Next Generation, when one's shot or killed, they'll come salvage a couple components that are useful. And then they just leave you. They leave you or they beam them away and probably just beam them to space or put them in a matter reclamator.
0: Right. Yeah. That would be more efficient. I like
1: that. I like that. Um, Rafi and and Rios are are kind of fangirling just like they did just like Rios did right when Picard got there. You know yeah. he he kind of has been outside of all of this and it, it it's fun to see them kind of be excited about it too.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, and like I'm gonna point out that because and that's, that there's a couple beats of this in this episode where Rios you know forgets Picard's aboard and the way he talk to him. I think Rios is very much. Settling into kind of wanting to take orders from Jean-Luc. I think I that agree.
0: Yeah. I thought so too. There's
2: so much hero worship there. Like you said, Hattie nail on the head. Like, I think that he Jean-Luc is the captain he always wanted to follow. Yeah. Uh, we skip over to see Gerardi. Girardi. I'm never gonna say her name, right? Gerardi <laughs> in her quarters, and she is watching a hollow recording of her with Bruce Maddox while they're making chocolate chip cookies together. Romantic and time. Romantic to rom-com. <laughs>
1: I will. I will mention she's sitting way too close to her "quote unquote" television to watch this. It's like four inches from her eyeballs. I was okay. like, "Take a few
0: steps." Back. Are you kidding? I am I said four inches away from the Star Trek While Picard. While you're watching Picard, yeah, <laughs> I'm like right there. I want to see all the pixels. I want to yeah. see I every pixel in the
2: show. <laughs> uh, and then we see them kiss, and we're like, "Oh, here's a piece of information she's been hiding from people: her and Maddox were romantically involved in the past."
1: Dun, dun, dun.
2: Also, uh, I was watching another review site, and they pointed out that the, this whole plot of in this video is he replicates the individual ingredients for chocolate chip cookies and then bakes them himself because he doesn't like the replicators chocolate chip cookies. Right. But it more goes to his personality of him needing to put things together.
0: I thought so too. Uh, yes. I was I was He's actually going to comment about that. Right. That yep. it's it's not enough for him to just get something. That someone else has made, or that uh, you know has been fabricated, he wants to build it, and he wants to build it himself.
1: Right, the replicator is the same thing that he does. He, they both make things, and why would he? Why wouldn't he make it
2: himself? Interesting. He's the damn Benjamin of the twenty third century. <laughs> Ex-
0: exactly. Right. Uh,
2: there now, as everyone is on the bridge because they're getting closer to uh, to free cloud. Uh, Hollow ads stop pop, start popping up on the ship. Uh, and this is really interesting because each one seems to have one very attuned to their personality. I -hmm. noticed that Mm -hmm. too. (laughs) And I don't think this would happen on any ship, but because Rios has hollow emitters throughout the entire ship, they're They're able to spam him. So intense. And it was
0: full on pop-up ads. It's the future of pop-up ads.
2: Oh, this was so good. The first thing we say is the red bullion, which is cute. Uh, we've only ever seen blue bullions, uh, and it's telling, uh, Rios that his ship could be more efficient and what's the most important thing to Rios that we know so far it's his freedom in his ship right mm-hmm. we see uh, an ad for a cup of tea pop up to Jean-luc Picard
1: yes <laughs> we
2: see uh, a big fighting robot pop up in front of Girati which I have reasons and theories for why that happened mm-hmm. and then we see a kind of like a drug a snake is uh, to get it's called the snake bit lounge mm-hmm for Rafi to get high in basically like a like an opium dem. right? And then nothing in front of Elnor, and I think it's because he has no search history,
0: right? Right. He's he's a he is a a neutron. He has yeah. no social media, right?
2: <laughs> he, he popped up and he's like, I didn't get one, and I was like, Well, of course you didn't. There's there's nothing there for you. There's no information on your in your background,
0: right? <clears throat> so as well, they I, as they're approaching. Um, Free Cloud. Uh, my son said, as soon as they showed, I'm I'm jumping ahead just a little bit. I want to mention it now. A- as soon as these holograms started to pop up, and then once they actually landed in um, in uh, Free Cloud, he says right away, he's like, "Oh, this is just like Rouge City and in artificial intelligence, AI, the movie <laughs> AI."
2: Oh, that's a good comparison. And uh,
0: and then when they were in the bar, he says, "Oh, this looks just like the bar in Tron Legacy."
2: Um. It's a little derivative. I'll give it to him. But I like I, that. The I, uh, connections he's making.
0: Yeah. I thought it was pretty interesting. And it's, and it's kind of, it's like the general consensus seems to be that like, if you're in a future city,
1: there's a lot of, hologram a lot of holograms
0: around. Well, and I, oh,
1: I wrote down the, there was a dancing hologram girl that was really big right when they showed the shot of the whole city. Uh-huh. And it reminded me so much of the blade runner. Uh yes. girl. Oh, so yes. yes. that was, that was too. an
2: Orion slave girl, Hattie oh. that we've seen through Star Trek in every show. They reference some form of Orion slave girl. There you go. Uh, but yeah, and she's everywhere. She's like, no matter where in the city you are, you can see like this gigantic forty foot tall dancing woman. Yes. Uh, Rafi does her magical hacking again. <clears throat> <laughs> learns that Bruce Maddox is now being offered to be sold to the Tal Shiar. Uh, by Bajazel but they are looking for a reason for them to get to sell her instead they know they can't outbid the Talshiar, but they're like what can we offer her instead so that they'll sell Maddox to us uh I love that at that point Picard looks up and says the word options
0: yeah mm-hmm.
2: uh, much, again back in the same thing with last episode when he's like suggestions this time he's like options and everyone now instead of it being weird everyone just offers their options right it's- more of a crew and he's settling back into his very hardcore this is who i am uh kind of feeling seven offers herself up says that uh that i am something that Bejazel wants more than anything all she like she hacks and slices up borg drones and i have the most borg drone pieces of any way it's great business for her. Right. right now as we are the ship is entering free cloud there are I I counted two. if I missed any, please, you know, email into us or tweet us or let us know. I saw two gigantic Easter eggs in the buildings. Uh, Did you guys catch either of them?
1: I was I was trying to look because I knew they'd probably hide something somewhere. I did not. Um, I did not see any that I I, that I
0: noticed. Keith, did you notice them or did you subsequently research what they were?
2: (laughs) I researched because it went so quick. I'm like, there's something in here. And I watched a screen rants video. One is Quirk's Bar. Right. From Deep Space Nine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like he is franchised. And that's not the only Quark reference in this episode either. Right, right. And the second one, my favorite one, is Mr. Mott's Hair Emporium.
0: And no is region- that Mott from the original series?
2: No, that is Mr. Mott, who is the barber on on the Enterprise D, on Picard's Enterprise. Oh, really? Oh, that's he's awesome. He's a blue bullying guy that, like, wouldn't shut up. Oh, yeah. And then at one point when uh, during a Baryon sweep, when the Enterprise is being cleaned out and there's no one supposed to be on the ship, a group of, like, uh, pirateers try to commandeer the, the vessel and steal, like, some of its pl- warp plasma or something. And Picard says his name is Mott and says he's the barber
1: oh yeah okay. that's
0: right all right i f- found a picture of him yeah I there's just, Mott. i would say don't be surprised if there's some special show art for this episode <laughs>
2: yep and then even the sign shows a blue bowling so to not uh, you cannot get a mix up with everyone mr mott has a hair emporium it is on free cloud so at some point theoretically picard is on the same planet not earth with his old barber which i, I think love it awesome okay moving forward next scene Rios and Jean-Luc are now being done up to be facers, which is kind of just the nickname slang term for someone that sets up a face-to-face meeting between uh, two parties. They're basically brokers. Mm. Facers are flamboyant. They're basically pimps. Um, And they're trying to get the part uh, right. And uh, Rafi takes Rios aside and says, you have to play this right. You can't just be your sad, brooding (laughs) self. Right, right. right. (laughs) Seven of nine says he needs a feather in the hat, which I thought was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, kind of that- a metaphor as well. You need a feather in your hat. You need something oh, special, 100%, you know. Hundred percent, spot on. Uh, and then we see Picard do his French accent, which uh, at first took me as very slapsticky and cartoony. Yeah. He's like, "Is this appropriately sinister?" <laughs> the <laughs> and then I remembered, you know, he'd done so many Dixon Hill Hollow programs, right. Uh, It's almost could be second nature. He's probably just playing a villain type from the Mm -hmm. Dixon Hills. And he he kinda likes this kind of stuff. And again, like I think the more and more we go on, we're gonna see a happier Picard because he's really living out what he wants to be doing with his life. Right. Right. He's having fun with it. Oh, absolutely. The whole tone of the show shifts at this point to be just like a heist movie uh a la oceans 11 and Mm i love that we start playing around with the timeline a little bit you see things happen in free cloud and then it goes back to the explanation while they're on the ship uh we we learn that mr vup is a beta anari who can who has i wrote down how many olfactory sensors he has one thousand (laughs) twelve thousand five hundred and thirty olfactory did I get that right? Nope. 1,253 olfactory sensors in his nose. So he can smell your breakfast yesterday. he can, But most importantly, he can smell when someone's lying because they have physical changes inside of them. Right. Right. When Rios uh, approaches him in Free Cloud and says, I'm the facer. I'm going to set you up with my buyer who's being played by Picard, who is going to trade seven of nine for uh, Maddox at this point. He is uh, va- smells Rios, but doesn't get anything weird because Rafi has drugged him right. with an yes. explanation <laughs> of barbiturates and beta blockers and anxiety meds. And of course, she is knowledgeable of all things drugs because right. she's a drug addict. There you mm-hmm. go. She knew just, just what to
0: give before. him.
2: Yeah, she really knows her drugs. So he gets past that. Picard, uh, I, I put here, Picard's acting nuts in a sinister uh, act. Rafi, <laughs> Sets up the thing. They uh, at, right before Seven and Nine and Picard beam down. Rafi asks Seven of Nine why she's helping, and Seven answers, "There has to be some semblance of order," which really goes back to her character. When she was on Voyager, she was obsessed with like maintaining order and making things as Borg as they possibly could be, and it just it really touches on her character. Eleanor is a little butthurt hurt that he doesn't get a cover, but it's because. <laughs> He realized uh, they all realized he's not a very good liar, even right? He he's too pure. pure, he's so pure, he can't even get an ad. No, <laughs> I know, not even a targeted no, ad. No, nothing. So now, everyone except for Gerardi is down on the surface. Rafi has since split. They have she has a really nice goodbye with Jean Luc, right? Again, the timeline here is so mixed up that I kind of love it. You don't really know when things are happening. But at this point, Rafi has right. said, I hope you find what you're looking for. Picard says, I sincerely hope the same thing for you. They split. Gerardi has been told she's going to work the transporter and she's super nervous about it. <laughs> but I believe this was just busy work. They didn't want to involve her down on the surface. Mm-hmm. Well, she—I mean, she
0: was she was part of the team, but she wasn't part of the team. Right? She
1: can't fight. She's she doesn't seem to be very good in stressful situations. So she's probably not a very good liar. Also, if they're dealing with Maddox, what if they know who she is? You know. So uh, yeah, I think they chose. They yeah, they chose
0: wisely.
2: I think that because they're already pre-locked on, all she had to do is say that the buttons are red and she just had to literally do the lever for the transporter. Uh, I think it was smart. I can't imagine there's not an emergency transport hologram on that ship. I have to imagine there is one.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Because
2: they even have a hospitality one. There has to be. Uh, now we have everyone except for Gerardi down in the club. Uh, Rios screws off to go get a drink. And then, in, in his fake accent, Picard starts kind of demeaning Seven to it. <laughs> Says you're defiled, you're damned, you're cursed, all right. Exborger, evil and monsters. And like, I think there's a part of him that like is having fun, but also is like, these are things I've either felt about myself or heard other people right. say. Right. Me. Uh, I mean, if you remember, if you saw the the pilot episode of DS Nine, like. Cisco hates Picard because he was Lacutus and, like, cannot separate in his head that those are two different beings. Mm -hmm. So, Picard's done with some, you know, uh, for lack of a better term, some, you know, racism over the fact that he's been an export. Okay. In the middle of all this, we're going over to the Stardust City Reproductive Health Services building, which is basically a giant family planning uh, hospital, (laughs) which I think is a really interesting. Did you notice that one huh. of the two babies that they were
0: showing the one on the left had Vulcan ears?
2: No. no yeah. I, didn't one, notice that.
0: I was like, oh they of course they're having human babies. But then I said, Oh, wait a minute.
1: Little Vulcan A little
0: vulcan eared baby. If I'm not wrong, on the on the left hand side, that one had a vulcan Oh, ear.
2: that's cute. Can you imagine being a baby all vulcan, you start laughing and they yell at you. <laughs> Stop that. <laughs> Be serious. Uh so uh, again, this is a good this is a good plot device. They're showing us something without ever telling us is that in the future reproductive rights are not even an issue. Here's a giant casino looking building. Come on in and do whatever you want with your own body. And I love that. Yeah. Rocky, tell uh, we we meet Gabe, uh, and she had been, and this was just like a quick glance on the screen. She was looking somebody up while she was doing her hacking, and oh, it yeah. was Gabriel, Gabriel Huang, who we find out is hit her son. And he works at the reproductive rights. I shouldn't say that. That's not even rights. It's reproductive services building. And she comes in and she is very uh, timid when she reaches up to him. She's kind of playing things close to the chest. And through this very emotional scene, we find out that Rafi had a husband and a son. And she kind of just left them because she was driven insane by the fact that she knew, uh, or at least she thought uh, that the synth attack was an inside job Right.
1: Uh, I see her, her s- conspiracy theory drove drove her away from them
2: and I've seen so many people compare this to a 9-11 truther like her demeanor the oh. way she acts like the anger I'm like man like they've. she might be playing it that way we also find out that Gabe is pregnant with her, his first uh, child who is going to be her granddaughter mm-hmm. uh, and we meet Pell who is his wife uh, for the first and his wife is Romulan presumably i don't think that she's vulcan i think she was a little too emotional and she also had the the eyebrow bridges i'm gonna assume she's a romulan if i'm wrong somebody call me out on it but they kind of have this fiery back and forth uh, where he's like you abandoned us being your kids sucked like you you went off to basically do nothing and you became a drug addict at one point uh rafi says i'm clean but we just saw her smoke snake leaf So I'm not sure how truthful she was. Oh, right. Yeah. Back
1: on the on the planet. You know, or maybe
0: when she was saying that she was clean, she meant like she when she decided to help Picard or go with him. Yeah, maybe that's when she went clean. That's where she went clean. But we don't know much about snake leaf, really. We don't know how addictive it it is or
2: salvia versus weed or coke. Right. It It could be something different than snake bite. You're absolutely right. We don't know. Uh, I, I saw I, – I made a little note thinking maybe uh, because Romulans have become kind of like this race of nomads that might be kind of like a drain on the universe, maybe the reason they're on Free Cloud is because that's like a place where nobody really cares who you're married to. Right. Right. Just a quick little theory. Uh, we're back in the club. Uh, Picard at this point has demanded to see Maddox alive before he turns over seven, and then we see Maddox, and he is in bad shape. He mm. has been worked over. You know, why? Apple. Why do you think that they
0: would bring him to the p- point of almost being dead? Or de- I mean, it looked like it without. I thought he medical died treatment. when she
1: when she kind of dosed him. But
0: then later, well, obviously, he's not dead. You know, but, but I, 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 yeah. And why would they do that if he wasn't
2: a valuable bargaining chip? Like right, that wouldn't you want
1: it in good condition, your bargaining chip? Or at least not chip?
2: almost dead. He's in bad shape. But I think if he got bad enough, they would have fixed him up. I think he was bad, but not so bad by 24th century standards of being able to bring him back. Mm. Uh, okay. That's my theory, at least. It could be wrong. Maybe they just really don't give a shit. Maybe they're just halfway through. They're like, you know what? It's not worth dealing with the Tal Shiar. Maybe we'll just kill him. Because he shows up. Um, at which point, uh, while Gerardi is listening to all this, the uh, emergency medical hologram pops up in front of her and says, what is the nature of your psychiatric emergency? Yes. Which I think is interesting, which means that the EMH is almost constantly scanning the people that are on the ship. Right. And that when their their vitals are fluctuating, he pops up and she dismisses him immediately and says, get out of here. Bajazel in the club is referring to Seven of Nine as Annika. And then big blow up truth bomb. They have a lot of past.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, Annika is her human name. The name she had. Annika Hansen. Yes. Before she was born. But I'm curious. Why would this woman uh, uh, call her that when it seems like even people
2: who are very, very close to her are still calling, still calling her seven. seven? I have a theory. Okay. Ready for my theory? Yes. I think that when she came back with Voyager, she went by the name Hanukkah. And when Ichab died, she started going by seven again because she wants oh. to go back into being a Borg. Like in her head, like she right. doesn't want to be Annika, and that we find out later in the episode that she's like, "You've changed because Annika used to be really helpful and used to be very trusting." Mm-hmm. And I think that she kind of took on the moniker of Seven again as a way to like change her mindset about herself.
1: That makes sense. I like seven, that idea. Everyone
2: was afraid of her. Like everyone was terrified on Voyager at first. of Seven, I'm not. She was cold. She was calculating. She was logical. She was practically a Vulcan. So mm. Seven and Bejazel have a very intense back and forth. We find out that Bejazel, when the Fenris Rangers were just starting, she pretended to be one of them because she was hunting for more Borg to chop up. We also find out that Icheb, uh was a junior Starfleet science officer who was on leave from the USS Coleman and he was helping Annika slash seven of nine start the Fenris Rangers, right? And that seven told Bejazel all about each and that she said he was on a ship by himself and she set a trap to catch him so she could harvest his organs. Mm. Yeah, imagine that guilt. That's some yeah, that, Spider Man level guilt. Very much so. it's yeah, horrible. Uh, at this uh, Kind of through the back and forth, Seven of Nine reaches out, grabs Bejazel by the throat, and says in a, in a tone of voice that was so reminiscent to me of Seven of Nine from the TV show, I almost got aroused, said, Drop your weapons. <laughs> <laughs> no reaction. That's okay. No, well, we she's haven't stri- seen the
0: yeah, well, I've never part seen of the Voyager.
2: That. Oh, Ben, she's just such a bad. She's so. Matter of fact, and bad that she drops her voice and she, while being quieter, inspires fear in others, grabs her quickly by the throat. And Seven of Nine has really advanced strength. She can absolutely snap right. someone's neck with her right, hands. So, strap right. your weapons.
1: That's what I kind of figured when everyone was like, oh, okay, everyone put your phasers down. I was like, oh, they must know of her, her extreme oh, yeah. strength. Yeah, yeah.
2: definitely. Uh, Seven basically says, I'm about to kill Bejazel. Uh, and then puts all the truth bomb of everything I just explained on the table. Tells Picard, I wasn't fully honest with you. She's the reason that each is dead. I'm going to kill her. <clears throat> he says that your revenge isn't going to be what you think it is. And it's not going to give you any clarity. And he kind of knows because he got right. his Borg revenge. He snapped the spine of the Borg queen right. in his hands. Right. So basically, the uh, also Rios then points out that if the, if she kills Bajazel while everyone's still down there, they're going to be wanted. And right. that Rios is like, I don't care if I am, but how do long do you think the old man and the kid are going to last? Rios also at this point shoots and kills Mister Vup. Who is the Beta Anari? Yes. Uh, now is that yep. a,
0: is that a species that we have seen before, or a race of beings? I we've do seen not
2: recognize before? it. Okay, okay, I didn't
0: either. And they describe them as reptilian, and he does he does look he kind of, reptilian.
1: Is, yeah, almost has a turtleness about him, also in the face. I
2: don't know why, <laughs> but with pointy. I, I can
0: see that. Yeah,
2: he's creepy. Pretty
0: imposing.
2: Yeah. Uh, I like, and it's never discussed, but Picard the way he looks at Rios when he kills Mister Vop is very upset. He is very angry, and I paused and rewatched it a couple times. And it's like he, Picard hates when people are killing people for no reason. If there's right. a way to get out and not kill, then they should do it. Uh, just as they're still talking about, hey, you know, we don't we don't want to be wanted. Gerardi gets the window she needs uh you know originally seven says go without me but they're like no we're all going together they all get beamed back up to the ship and the, and this is one of my favorite exchanges of the show as soon as they're back on the ship Picard says Captain Rios and then immediate Rios says getting us the hell out of here sir
1: right kind of like uh you can yell at me later let me right. just get us out right first.
2: right <laughs> uh more than that it's he is now given an order without saying it. They are now anticipating uh, each other's needs. Right. He says, Captain Rios. And he says, getting us the hell out of here, sir. And we haven't heard him say, call Picard, sir, yet. Right. And it's almost, they're both acting on instinct because they're in this high pressure. Right. They've just, they they've kind of they've fall gone, back, gone back, into back to their, their training. Starfleet training. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. He is giving a command and he is anticipating and following it while saying sir and i thought that was so telling of where the show is going and the writing is so freaking good so good
1: yeah that uh, was fantastic
2: as they're getting out of there 79 nine says that the Fenris Razer rangers have sent a corsair which is now you know the kind of ship she was riding was a corsair ship uh, sent for her and that uh, although Picard thinks of her only as a vigil- vigilante, gives her her his basically her card, but it seems to be some sort of isolinear chip that'll be able to find her, and says, "If you ever need a vigilante, call me." Also says, "Can I take two of your phasers?"
1: Right. Uh, <laughs> while I'm here,
2: <laughs> how how do you say no to Seven yeah. when she asks so nicely? Right, and in. What I think is the absolute best part of this episode, the part where I paused and took a deep, deep breath. She asks Captain Picard, "Do you really think you got your humanity back after being part of the Borg?" And he says, "Yes." And she says, "All of it." And he whispers back, "No." Mm-hmm. Ah. And and then it follows up with, "But we're both trying." And Seven goes, "Every damn day," and Sounds leaves. A good but, line, man, But like. Just going back in the whole history of Jean Luc Picard from assimilation through the series to the movies to everything he's gone through. Just now, he teared up in his eyes. paused, and he was honest and says, "I did not get all my humanity back." And when you think about my, my favorite, uh, one of my favorite episodes from TNG, when he is back on the vineyard visiting his brother and has that emotional crying breakdown, he says you don't know. You don't know. They took everything from right, him. They took right, right. apart. And, you know, his whole life since then has been trying to build his life back together.
0: Right, and even and, all these years later, he's still, he's still something's still not right. Something's missing. still missing, you know?
2: I'm getting teary-eyed just thinking about it because I thought that, like again, like the writing is so good on the show, but more importantly, everything that Sir Patrick Stewart is doing is spot on and he knows this character and he hasn't lost a single beat of it. <clears throat> now Seven beams back and starts shooting the hell out of the place.
1: Right, she um, right. she's like, I'm actually not done yet. <laughs> yeah,
2: she goes until the, basically the only people left in the bar is just her and Bajazel. She's like, I know the second wave of your security is coming, but I'm going to kill you like Picard needs to know that there's a little mercy left in this universe. He has to have hope because, but I don't want him to be disillusioned. Right. Right. And I thought that was great. She's like, this is not the Federation. This is not the universe that Picard can go back to, even though he thinks he can. And there's right. no humanity here. I am here. This is for Icheb. He was my son and I for an eye and it explodes her yeah. with two phaser blasts. And then as the rest of her security comes, starts really shooting up the place and we have to assume she got out, but we don't, we just see her shooting up the place and that one little snippet that everyone's seen a million times in every single, uh, trailer for the show. It's her blasting her way through, uh, free cloud, but it still only lasts that long. It's only like a second of her blasting her way out. Right,
0: I
1: wanted more of that.
0: No, Keith, did you already comment on this? But when, um, Rios put the little, um, the uh, transporter enhancer the yeah. little uh the
1: little red like button thing. yeah, the, yeah. He, he
0: set it right on top of the transporter did you get the impression that he set it there for her because he had a feeling she was gonna go back or was it just more that's where he keeps it
2: I didn't even catch that yeah yeah because he you... put
0: it he put it on top of the like, control of panel right mm-hmm. and then she walks over and grabs it and I was just I was wondering if that was sort of a nod to how
1: like they're both kind of wild and then he knows like eh, she's yeah she's probably going to go back exa- or something I, that's I what mean, i was
0: wondering or is it just that's where he puts
2: kindred. it like like mm-hmm. it goes back to like them saying about one it is like the kid and the old man will be one it you and me will be fine right so I, I if i think you're probably spot on i didn't catch it but good for you man <laughs> well, I mean,
0: maybe, maybe it wasn't that, maybe it was just an incidental, you know, like uh, to explain in the next scene, uh, wait, how did she get it? Well, well he put it down right. there. So I wasn't right. sure if there was a sort of under, uh, you know, like an understanding between them or, or what?
2: I think you're spot on. And I think that, and I hope she does come back. Well, I, uh, I, some,
0: one of our listeners, Keith I said in an earlier email that she was listed to be in the last four episodes.
2: I right. think it would be
0: a I mean, I'll be disappointed. They're not going to bring her back for just one. I well, don't know. I mean, they, they might.
1: Mm. But I, I thought I she was great.
2: I think we won't see her in the next two, but she will be in the last three.
1: Yeah. Like, she might come back so. as a last hope, you know, things are going badly, and then she swings in again. Right, because
0: there's still other... Like, we're going to get to see uh, Riker and Diana again. Right. Sure.
1: Speaking of Diana, um, uh, Diana. I th- Yes, I thought uh, that Jazel was very
2: reminiscent. I, I thought the same. Oh my of God, so much.
1: I was like, hold on, what are they doing that on purpose? I don't know. I just looked, thought that was pretty you. crazy.
2: so much like Deanna Troy, doesn't she? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, last thing I want to point out about Seven is my roommate uh, said something really clever. He says, Another reason she might have joined the Fenris Rangers is because when she was back on Voyager and regained her humanity, half the crew was Maquis. And the Maquis. Were humans that were kind of abandoned by the Federation and had to hop on these little fighter ships and create law and order in their own little sector of space. Uh, that kind of like brushed off on her. And I thought right. that was a cool thing to point out. Interesting. So we're back on the ship, and now Bruce is in sick bay. He's laying on a bed. Picard's talking to him and says, uh, I had the embedded mom AI activate them. And that answered all yes, our questions. And I was like, right there, there we go.
0: It
2: did. <laughs> So I also like to think that when they're talking to the mom, they're talking to a blank screen, kind of like Tyler Durden in Fight Club. Yeah, that it's all just in there, like you said, embedded AI. Like it might just all be in their head. Right. Uh, He's he, you know, Picard lets it, lets Bruce know that Dodge is dead, and says, "Is there another one?" And he goes, "Yes, Soji," and she's on the artifact, and you can just see how immensely affected Picard is by that piece of information. Definitely. Yeah. Not only because how daunting a task to go sneak onto that cube that is now controlled by Romulans who hate him, but he hates Borg cubes and he hates Borg. Right. And he's like, great. Now I've got to go to a, got
1: to go deal with more Borg. Borg
2: cube now. Uh, Bruce says that he sent them both one to the artifact and one to the daystrom Institute to find out the truth about quote unquote the ban, which he's referring to the ban on synthetics mm-hmm. um, and says that uh, basically the Romulans and the Federation are mixed up in a giant conspiracy about the synths and the band and that there's so much more here than what meets the eye. Yeah, uh, Picard then leaves and goes, talks to Rios. Uh, Rios informs him that flying into Romulan space doubles his fee, at which point Picard rolls his eyes and then just gives him like a sheepish look. Uh, and then Rios says, okay, hefe.
1: <laughs>
2: this is more another beat of them getting closer and them just kind of finding this mesh together and mm-hmm. i think that they are going to end up at the end of the series being like incredibly close friends. I could
1: see I that think. very much so.
2: Rios asks Picard about, "Hey, what do you what about our stowaway?" and Picard goes and knocks on a door and Rafi Rafi is back on the ship and she says, "Go away." Yeah. He's quietly to himself, "Good to have you back." And mm-hmm. want walk- so because she was unable to reunite with her right I mean
0: I think she she went there with the hopes that she could reconcile with her very much with her son and it didn't didn't pan out didn't play out and now she's like well what else am I gonna do
2: yeah she had her duffel bag and this I I glossed over this but the son's like she to Pell his wife she only had a moment she's leaving now like made it very clear you're not welcome I don't want you here so she took her duffel bag back and got back on the ship so she's still the crew yeah and now we're at the end of the show, which is Maddox laying on the bed talking to Girardi, his ex girlfriend or whatever, Aggie. Yeah, <laughs> I like that nickname for her. Uh, he says, "Did you get a chance to meet Dodge?" And she says, "No." So she was perfectly I- imperfect. He's like, "We did it, Sung, and I did it." And yeah, with- I
1: thought that was big reveal,
2: because <laughs> and that he is of course referring uh, re- uh, referencing and sung who is the creator of data and lore mba and basically any working positronic brain uh, uh and then says and you aggie like you're like I, this could not have happened without everything you did and right. all your contributions and she says another thing i have to atone for and she starts killing him turns off oh yeah it's like that are helping him stay alive because he's in such bad shape and like does other things, whatever she's doing, it's he, he's absolutely about to die. The EMH pops back up and he's pointing out like, Hey, you're killing this guy. You should probably stop. (laughs) And uh, she says, deactivate EMH, which also means that he knows that she killed him. So I think that that was
0: actually why they had him having him show up earlier when she was operating the the transporter, because it, it shows he or the the emh we call it a he he is aware of everyone's medical health on the ship right so they kind of planted that seed earlier in the episode only to later reveal that oh like yeah, he, he's paying attention. He knows what happened, and it's not like that can be kept a secret. Even if he's no. been right. deactivated, like you said, Hattie, there's there's a log. There's a now. log
1: of like this person had this cortisol level and this at this right. time, or th- or I was activated at this time, you know, right. by this person and oh, yeah, deactivated.
0: Pop back up and be like, "Oh, hey, well, she killed Maddox," right? right. Like it's not, it, like that's not going to be a secret. No,
2: not at and, all.
0: And the other, on the other hand, I would think that you know, we're very anti-surveillance and pro-privacy these days, and more and more, and this is not the topic of the show, but more and more (laughs) social websites and other things are Uh trying to track us and pay attention to us. And you would have to think that at some point in our society, Either that's going to be so commonplace that literally every single thing that you do and place you go and thing you buy is tracked and connected, and monitored. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. or we're going to somehow rebel against it, and nothing will be tracked. And I, exactly. I unfortunately think it's going in the direction of the former, the where everything gets tracked. But
2: and then we'll get spam holograms popping yeah. we'll up. <laughs> but
0: but the fact that they had the spam hologram shows that they're
1: aware. Of, they're
0: aware of all of that. So. I would think that she would have known that what she was doing had to have been seen or tracked or known about, right? Well,
2: because of the last thing that she says, I think this is an end game for her.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Because the very last part of the episode, she says, I wish I didn't know the things I knew. I wish you did know the things I wish they had never told me.
0: Right. And or that's scary or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or show-
2: yeah. So Commodore O got to her, showed her some. A uh, big pile of bullshit, mm-hmm. and then, <laughs> and then uh, it it kind of drove her nuts. I think, and this is just a, a one off theory, that they made it out to be that Maddox was responsible for the z- for the synth attack.
1: Oh, I think that's
2: what the lie that Commodore O told her, uh, and then it kind of burned out her brain. So I don't think she she cares what happens to her after this point. Like. She's not obviously they're not gonna you know kill her, but they might like arrest her and give her back to Starfleet. But at that point, Commodore O is just gonna let her go.
1: Yeah, and and I mean also it, to kill the man that you love, I feel like that's you're kind of like this sure. is all I had going for me, so I'm 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 out now. I'm just gonna this is my my quest, and with the end of it, who cares what
2: happens? Mm-hmm. Damn the consequences, because yeah. not because she also I have to imagine because she's so anti-synth after. This meeting with Commodore. Oh, she probably doesn't care about her career either, right? Right. Or maybe, it or may the be... lack
1: thereof. Remember, she couldn't even do any actual experiments yeah. you're or right, anything. Hattie, so, you're right. what, what? does she have to work for? She, when Picard visited her, that office was completely empty. So, sure.
0: that's true. So she and should, also, I, you know, she might be in the situation where whatever it was that she learned, she now views her work as bad. Oh, that's you know, so yeah, like she can't return.
2: Here's a joke,
0: right? right.
1: Or she feels responsible and maybe right. she feels like she needs to be punished in a way, mm. you know, maybe even by death.
0: Ooh. Oh, no. that's the worst kind of punishment. But
1: Keith, you totally called it. She was bad. Um, you called
2: it. I actually don't think she's bad. Like in my head, they like Commodore O had kind of like, like enlisted her to right. work with Starfleet security. I think they're just using her as a tool.
1: Yeah. I, yeah.
2: When every, all the cards are on the table, she's going to realize she's made a mistake, and she's going to stay a part of this crew, and she's going to help them in the end. Yeah, I think they're they're using her as a blunt instrument to get to Maddox. Mm. I don't think she's actually like, like my thought was like they offered her something, like okay. we'll make you. Not, we'll make you the head of the Daystrom Institute. You'll be in charge of everything. You could unlift the ban if you want, but you have to kill Maddox, right. or you have to tell us where Picard's going. But that wasn't it at all. And again, every theory I've had has been false so far. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that. I love everything about it. One last Easter egg. I want to bring up the drink that Rios orders in the bar. He calls it a Tem TB Lagoon, mm-hmm. which is a location on Risa. Oh, oh, very nice, nice. Nice. So it's just a drink that probably originated there. And I thought that was a cute little nod. Just after last week's having no Easter eggs or barely any, yeah. to this one just be flush of Easter eggs, I thought was great. Frakes knows what he's doing. Yeah. Um,
0: now, this one was also directed uh, by Frakes, as you just mentioned. And I think I'm curious to know how, you know, he. It, was he involved in writing it as well? Or was it written and he directed it? Did he, is he responsible for all the Easter eggs and little references? You know? Right, right. And I did can't it,
2: remember if I brought this. I'm sure there's a giant writer's room, but there, he was responsible for how Jerry Ryan came back and the way her character act. I can't remember. I, I, remind me if I brought this up. But she was kind of unsure about coming back to Star Trek. And when they were on set, they kept doing takes and Frakes kept making her do it over and over again because he knew she wasn't, he, she wasn't sure if she could revisit the character. And then whatever take just clicked with her. He said, everyone stopped, looked at Jerry Ryan and said, there she is. Oh, so I, I mean, he's that. deep in the culture of it. I don't think a lot of the actors are deep in the, the lore as some of the fans are. Yeah. But I think that's what the writer's room is for. Right. But he did a great job and like that whole middle of the episode where it becomes a heist movie, you can tell how much experience he's had doing TV and movie because it right, felt right. very theatrical to me.
1: I have two questions for you Keith and Dan you as well. Hit I me. want you said you had a uh, hologram theory for Jerardi, why she got the robot being punt that she needed to punch.
2: Oh yeah, I think that um so your, your history is kind of like what is going on with, uh, like it's scanned. Um, I'm I'm stumbling over myself. So if your history comes to thing, like you're scanned when you come into that system and they're sending out, uh, spam based on who you are, Mm -hmm. but they're also kind of scanning in the same way the EMH does like your vitals. So like if, there's a drug addict, and she's trying to get clean. They're like, "Hey, come get a hit. Come to right. the snake plant We know that you're th-
1: you're clean right now.
2: <laughs> I think when they scanned her through the ship, they she had that much anxiety. Yeah, she had so she was brimming with this energy, and like, look at what happened to her as soon as she hit the robot. She lit up. She was giggly. She starts fake punching Rios.
1: Right, and he was like, like "What?"
2: <laughs> yeah, like she starts acting like a whole different person. That that whatever program is scanning you and putting up the spam knows everything about you right. and knew in that moment, she had stress that needed to come out a of little, her. Body.
1: A little confidence boost, Interesting. a little, yeah. Interesting. Okay. My- then my second question was, um, when Maddox says, you know, your contribution to Jurati, what do you think that was? Do you think that maybe the, um, Dodge and Soji, did they use DNA from her? Like, Mm. or do you think it was more just contribution? Because like, if they're acting kind of like a faux mother and father for these Tooth synth girls, like maybe, or what if, what if, uh, didn't even know she kind of made a biological contribution. Right. Because
0: when Maddox says it, he's like, I did it. I did it. You know, they're they're perfect.
1: Right. He said perfectly imperfect. Right. Um, I don't know. To me, it just, it, 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 the word contribution had more weight than just like you helped me in the lab, you know? Um, I don't know. So that's my thought, but I didn't know what you thought. Maybe the contribution
2: might be it, in my head because of the episode that we see Maddox and this is all headcanon. When we see Maddox, he's so brash when he wants to take apart data and he's so not good at what he's doing. I actually think that Gerardi was probably the better cyberneticist. I think that he took a lot of her work and Sung's work and put it together. And that's how he was Uh, able to create. mm. I think that just because we know he's kind of headstrong and like he thinks his own capabilities are much more than they were at least when we met him in Star Trek, the next generation in season two. So this is almost two decades after the fact. That's my theory.
1: That makes sense. Well, and now that Maddox is dead, um, It kind of, it leaves that door open for Jurati to kind of step in hopefully at the end or or whatever to kind of help out Soji or fix Soji if she's hurt or, you know, because she's very, she's very aware of how the synths work and everything. So I feel like all the major players that know about sense and how they work are not off the, off the, off the right. table, off the map right now. So,
2: and they keep playing that clip for every last time on Star Trek Picard or previously on Star Trek Picard, where she says, I'm the foremost cyberneticist in the right. Federation. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't think it's like, Oh, now I am because Maddox is gone. Maybe she always was
1: right. Right. Like,
2: we know that Maddox was her boss. Do we, did they ever say that? Maybe she was his boss.
1: Right. Or maybe I, it was, Yeah, I hadn't thought
0: about that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't, we don't really know what their situation was maybe, but you know, I would have to think that she's clearly younger than him. Right. That doesn't mean right. she's not, you know, more, more experienced than him, but she's younger and, and I got and the impression. And he was working that,
1: with Soon and stuff. And
0: Data. Right. And so she definitely didn't know Data. No. But he did because Data actually corresponded with him. Yeah. for you know, until he, until he died, Mm -hmm. he was actually, you know, giving him, giving Maddox updates. They became friends or as, you know, a correspondence at least. Right. Right. And um, yeah, pen pals. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so he, data was sharing this information with Maddox all along. So Maddox had the benefit of having studied data, worked with data. Maybe, you know, maybe they did things with uh, before as well, but definitely he was, more experienced in the sense of having worked with data and known data. And I feel like she came into it after, could study before who was not as advanced as data, but probably learning from, from him. But it's like you guys are saying, it seems very possible that she was better. Mm -hmm. She was, you know, yeah. but
2: even if we take it as face value, maybe just like he had some of the pieces, but not all of them. Right. And
1: she helped. Get the rest of it. And
2: maybe it was more than just help. Like maybe he's like, I was missing the last piece until you had it. I could not have accomplished this until you came along. You had something I didn't. And yeah, like if she thinks that all their work together is like the downfall of the Federation or the downfall of the Romulan empire, imagine poor Aggie. Yeah. Thinking (laughs) about that and just having to deal with those emotions. Yeah. Yeah after living on Earth, presumably her whole life. Right. You know, being kind of sheltered, like being the type of Federation citizen we think of when we think of TNG, not Star Trek Picard. Like, these might be dark concepts that people, like, she's not ready to deal with. So when when the Commodore says the only way to make it right because of this genocide that you might have had a a hand in is to kill Maddox, she might just take that at face value. She might be incredibly malleable.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I think... What they've shown us of her character is that she is kind of a, a, timid and and mm-hmm. um, easily swayed in a way. She doesn't seem to question very much. Like even when Picard was coming to her talking about uh, Dodge, like she just kind of accepted everything he was saying. Um, you know, now we don't know how much she actually knew about that. Right. Uh, and right. was, she, was from, she faking? That's impossible to, right. Okay,
2: oh, that exists.
1: Right. So... Uh, and uh, she seems uh, like she does stuff by the book. So if if the almost law enforcement of Starfleet or whatever with uh, O oh, came and talked to her, like she's going to do whatever they say, like regardless, she's not going to question that.
2: A hundred percent. So, I don't right? Know. She trusts Starfleet. She is a Federation citizen, right, through and through. And she's not she, a much reason. Like, much like everybody, like everybody else in that crew even seven at that point has a reason to mistrust starfleet exactly except right. her She's right the only one right. she does not everyone else is a disillusioned ex-officer yep or at least commissioned officer
0: instead mm-hmm. Of- mm-hmm. yeah Whew, heavy show a lot in it
1: yeah a lot this episode that was not our too-
0: best
2: episode too yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> You should uh, you should go away more often. Yeah, go
2: please. to
1: Disney more often.
2: Yeah, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to get real tired before each one.
1: Yeah. Yeah, get really tired and then need. get coffee.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sure. how you didn't get your uh, London fog today?
1: No, I didn't, and you didn't. You didn't even have your decaf uh, Earl Grey. I know. I know we're all we're all out of sorts, but we'll also I, f- I feel like what this was episode five, five. Yeah, we are squarely in the middle. We are at the halfway point,
0: right? Right. Ten episodes. According to Keith, we're more than halfway, but according to the right. actual number of episodes, we're <laughs> right. halfway.
2: Yo, nobody bats a thousand. No, I know. <laughs>
0: or in your case, any at all. Well, I, I mean, don't. if you can. Con- his theories, you know, his theories have all been uh, uh-huh. wrong.
2: That's so. true. Come at me, bro.
0: So uh, we're uh, we, we will you Where be we- back in time for next week. Keith, or are you how long are you going to be over there in Disney?
2: I'm, I'm just here to go to Star Wars land for a couple days. And I'll be back on Monday. Perfect. Perfect. So I'll be back. Theoretically, we could actually record on Friday next week.
0: That would be <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. Let's plan on it then. Very good. Well, if any of you all listening uh, have thoughts or comments or corrections, corrections, (laughs) I'm sure there will be some. We would love to hear about them. You can go to uh, Picard.fireside.fm. And you'll see all the episodes there. You can see the show notes, which there are a few. I put in a few links about some of the characters and events that we talked about there today on today's episode, and uh, which would be at Picard.Fireside.fm. 5 And there's a contact form there. You can use that to send it in. Or if you just want regular old email, it's Picard at 5 x TV i well, will i'll get where I will get a copy of your email, and uh, if it's amazing, I'll read it on the show. And we love your feedback. We need your feedback. But the first person to tweet me the name of that, that episode, episode mm-hmm. uh, gets an honorary mention, becomes friend of the show, and uh, since we have no swag to give out. We'll give you some virtual swag. Yes. Uh, and uh, oh, and I so like we, we appreciate it. But um, so Keith is on Twitter at Keith Ruckus, K-E-I-T-H-R-U-C-K-U-S. Hattie That's on me. Twitter is Hattie Bird, H-A-D-D-I-E. Bird. Bird. And I'm just <laughs> at Dan Benjamin over there. We'd love to Bird. hear your thoughts, feedbacks, comments, and all of that good stuff. And uh, until then, uh, we'll see you next week. Have a safe trip back, Keith. Thanks.